Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Buino. I'm a psychotherapist, teacher, consultant, and most importantly, a wounded healer, living and working in Chicago, Illinois. On this show, I interview folks in a variety of healing professions, and we discuss the intersectional journey of healing self while caring for others. We're not just focused on individual healing, but also healing on the collective level from white supremacy, late-stage capitalism, and the patriarchy. Thanks for joining us. OMG, how's everyone doing? I'm still bonkers. Same, same as last time. (laughs) I am still in the limbo of moving and packing and looking around at all of the things that I've seen for 13 years that I have probably taken for granted. And now I'm going to be having a different view. And uh, it's scary, right? Like, it's so scary change. It's so funny too, because I hold people through these sorts of things all the time. And it's been 13 years since I've moved before. So I was forgetting how scary it is and how uprooting your life has so many challenges. Like I was talking to my husband the other day about how much longer everything is going to take and how much more emotional energy just because. So I've lived in Chicago for 20 years and I've lived in the same apartment for 13, but I've been in the same, basically the same neighborhood for the whole, uh, for 19 years. And so, you know, my chiropractor, my grocery store, I know where the post office is, the bank, all of these things. I'm only moving 20, 30 minutes up the road, but you basically get all new stuff, right? Because you go to a different Walgreens, you go to a different post office. And it's funny how those little things can add up and impact your mental health (laughs) in such a profound way. So to anyone else out there who has moved recently, God bless you and may God save us all because it's challenging enough to be a human in this day and age. And then to, I guess, this is a self-imposed chaos that I have created for myself. So I have no one to blame but me. Well, I can blame my husband a little bit because he's the one who really wanted to move. But no one to blame but us. It is a very privileged position to be in. And yet, here we are. It's a little rough. But I will survive. And I am excited to share with you today's guest. Today's guest is Rico Ricketson. Rico is the founder and CEO of MH3, Mental Health Education for the Mind, Body, and Spirit. When Rico learned of COVID-19 spread through Italy in March of 2021, he used his passion and desire to help and save lives. Rico took his 20 years of healthcare advertising experience and combined it with his expertise in human-centered design and his master's in biology neuroscience to create MH3 so he could do something to help. So please enjoy my lovely conversation with Rico Ricketson. Hello, Rico. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I have no idea what we're going to end up talking about today, but I'm very excited to hear all of it. Great. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Same. I'm so excited for the journey and ready to chat and hope that this conversation really helps someone lean in yeah. a little bit more to whatever that is. Whatever we're going to talk about, lean into more because I'm pretty sure it's going to end on a high note, right? Let's, Let's just, say just assume that. <laughs> yes, we'll assume that. Yes, perfect. <laughs> well, tell tell folks a little bit about who you are and what you're doing in the world. Sure. So my name is Rico Ricketson, and I am the founder and CEO of MH3, which is Mental Health Education for the Mind, Body, and Spirit. And we partner with corporations 
to provide credible mental health education so that their employees can start to learn how to catch changes in mood, energy levels, and sleeping patterns before they become something more serious. That sounds super amazing and just immensely needed right now in the world. And I'm curious what led you to this. What really led me to it is March 15th, 2020, to be exact. What ha- what happened then? Ooh, I have no I don't idea. Know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but actually is when we had news of social distancing in Italy, mm. right? When we were watching from afar and is it coming to us? Is it not coming to us? And I've always wanted to help in a time of need. Mm. And I think that's what really called me in. But I was like, well, how do I help though? What do I really do? Yeah, I can go out and help, but my physical presence could actually hurt someone, mm-hmm. right? Not purposely, obviously, but it could. Okay, so there's that. And I was like, well, what can I do from home? And at all honesty, I just, I tapped into everything that I love about myself but maybe not everything everyone else has always loved about me. (laughs) Of all the things when I thought about of in this world, what I want to do and shine through some of those things, other people aren't going to agree with that. Certain people are. Like what? Just to agree with whatever my, let's say whatever my next steps or actions are, there's always going to be people that aren't always going to have something positive to say. Haters gonna hate. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And like, for example, I have always been known to talk way too much, right? I know nothing about that. (laughs) I can't identify at all. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) And so that was a big thing, actually. People always say that. How do I lean into this more? I've never really wanted to be on camera or interview people or find out more information. And our platform really is built on capturing the ideas, insights, and inspiration of not just experts, but diverse health and wellness experts. So really leaning in of, I wanted to use this idea, right? I talk too much. Okay. I talk too much. So let's, let's use that. Let's use that to get a message out. So I'll interview health and wellness providers and figure out how do we find healing in this time? So that's really for me of, I think of looking of all of this of not only that moment of watching the news in Italy, but it was also the moment where I knew of what I'm worth. Mm -hmm. And I'm worth more than just talking, obviously, but I have a master's in biology with a minor in neuroscience. Oh, really? Yeah, and I've been in healthcare advertising for 21 years. But still, the negative thoughts were the biggest barriers for me. Right. You talk too much. Oh, my, I'm going to be on there. Who's really going to want to pay attention to this? That whole cycle of although you have all these other things for credibility and our experts, it's the same exact thing. Right. A lot of them, we were meeting in the middle and hearing and seeing each other. Wait, my ideas, insights and inspiration, they would say, right, are not often heard. And so it was a great thing of meeting in the middle where we've connected. And that really all just came from watching news broadcast Mm. and and making a decision at that moment. Okay. I can't be physical presence, but I can do something for Paul. I really can. And it took me within 24 hours to then come up with MH3. Wow. I put everything I have into it to make sure that 
people could hear it. And if people didn't like it and it didn't work, it wouldn't work. Right. And it wouldn't work, but that's not where we're at today. And I'm glad for that, but it takes people being bold like that to do things Mm -hmm. to heal us. Well, speaking of your, you know, the meeting in the middle with the experts that you interview on mental health, that sounds so familiar to me because when I was early in my career, I'd found this platform called Sounds True. Have you heard of it? No, I'm not. There's a lot of like self-help and sort of like spiritual wisdom. And it's a platform, probably not unlike yours, but more for just the general public. And they had a free series of videos on self-esteem and it was 24 videos. And I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this shit out. I am going to figure out how to feel worthy. And I watched four or five videos and I was taking notes. And as I reviewed my notes, I'm like, well, these are all the same thing. And the same thing is that everybody has this struggle. And I was a therapist. I was a baby therapist at the time, but I still didn't recognize that this was something that everybody had, even the people who had these platforms and had written books and all that sort of stuff. And I've actually been watching The Girl from Plainville. Have you Mm -hmm. seen that? Not yet. No. Okay. I won't ruin it, but there's a kid who has mental health struggles and they just said in one of the scenes, oh, he thought he was unique, that he felt so terrible about himself and that his social anxiety was so debilitating to him. And I was just like, no, we all, literally every one of us. And honestly, if you aren't struggling at some point in this pandemic, then you're not paying attention to what's going on inside. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And I feel a lot of it is a lot of people are looking, well, my mom needs it. My dad needs it. And that's where they stop at rather than I need it for just your well-being and getting in touch with yourself. So I think it's so interesting in this time, right? We still distract because we're afraid of that fear, that fear of whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that leaning in, you have that fear. And so I, I love that, that you say we all do. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I am in a silo of people who are gung-ho about mental health. And so (laughs) I don't hear that very often, right? Like, I am only surrounded with people who are like, yes, this is what I want to do. So it's obviously like therapists, we're going to do what we're going to do. But I think a quote-unquote layperson talking about the importance of mental health, sharing your own experiences. So I don't know if you want to share a little bit more about what you've been through and why mental health is important and and how you recognize that access is so necessary. For sure. And it does tie back to that March 15th of the sense of urgency. Why was there a sense of urgency, right? Of course, you see a news coming towards us. Yeah, yeah. And my moment for me was I'm a childhood survivor of domestic violence. Mm. And the thought of being trapped at home. Yes. Scary thing. And then everything else beyond that, right? Not That's more of my real life experiences. And then real life experiences, right? Just in the world of being told I was broken because I was gay. Mm. Being told I was broken because I'm brown. Being told for all these other things, right? You're broken, you're broken, you're broken. At least that's a narrative that not people that are close to me obviously share, but it's the world we live in and that hurts. And now people are home with their own thoughts and having to believe these ridiculous things that maybe someone else has told you and now you're alone with your thoughts and you start to believe those things and they are not true. You are stronger than anything that has been told that you're not. Right. Anybody that's done that. And so for me, 
it was, and it still is. Yeah, that was a fear. And there still is, am I worthy is a constant thing for me. Mm -hmm. Throughout this whole journey, right? Am I still worthy? Am I the one? And that's a hard thing. And the reality though is, I hope that all of us have that grace to start looking at ourselves of what we're doing in the world. And I know that for me, I feel better what I'm doing now, even though I've been in corporate America for 21 years and done some great work, it's just great to be closer to healing. Mm -hmm. And for me, right, what I created for healing, it does feel, it feels great to be that close to that. Yeah. And I guess I also want to say too, because I think that people compare themselves based on what they think they should be doing and whatever the gap is between where they are and where they think they should be. That's where people pressure themselves and shame themselves and all that sort of thing. And this might sound controversial to say, but let's unpack it a little bit is not everybody's supposed to do something great. You know what I mean? Like not everybody is supposed to create this big platform that's going to help thousands and, you know, hundreds of thousands and hopefully millions of people, yeah. right? And when I say that, that I am not meaning that in a diminishing way. I mean that like you are special because your partner needs you. You are special because maybe you're a teacher and there's a child that needs you in order to get through the world, right? I just think I love what you're doing and I want to celebrate it. And I want people listening to know that you don't have to shame yourself because you're not doing that. We can all take our struggles and help somebody else with them, but it's on a different scale for everybody. True. For me of all of this, right, it connects simply down to finding my purpose, which I feel with such gratitude. Yeah. And finding your purpose, to your point, could be, you could be the most proud kindergarten teacher, yeah. right? And you have one student that has just changed their lives because of what you've done. Yeah right? That's the world showing you purpose. I just had been doing a lot of things in the world and not seeing that back of feeling my purpose. You know, when you're on the right stride, right? Absolutely. Yep. You don't need a golden brick road or whatever, like Dorothy. <laughs> it's so you, but sometimes you know when you're on the right road or not, mm -hmm. and you just have to lean into it. And I totally agree. And I hope that no one ever think like every action that we do that is purposeful for us to heal, to me, is amazing. Yeah. And so I hope that no one takes away, right, that you have to do all these things because that is unachievable and you're not going to heal because of that. Right, right, yeah. Well, and for me, I think healing comes through relationships. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's the most important. I mean, I'm a Libra rising, and so apparently that's our thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think of, obviously, like, I've done a lot of work internally, but it's through working with my therapist, through having a super loving, patient, kind husband, through having mm -hmm. friends that reflect back my beauty to me when I can't see it to myself. That's the thing that I worry about with people's mental health these days is, I feel like society has shifted very much into like the pandemic changed us. And for some of us, it changed us in ways that we're like, yes, we need to help people more. But a lot of people have been changed to say, get the fuck out of my way. I just need to take care of myself. Yeah. And so I do. I worry about people who are still experiencing isolation 
not because we're stuck in our homes anymore, but because they've learned more about the people around them and learned that maybe the relationships aren't doing what they were hoping they were going to do, you know? Yeah. And at the end of the day, right, of all of that, you look back and it's most important that you're healing. Mm -hmm. So interesting. I had a conversation like this with my cousin just oh, two hours ago. Our family specifically, my father is not doing well right now. Mm. And it's like end of life discussions. Mm -hmm. And we have it. I just saw my father after 33 years for the first time this last. Wow. Wow. Why were you estranged? You don't have to go into it. No, 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 no. It's not a pause for that. It's. I wish I knew. Mm. At 13 years old, my parents got divorced and my dad still stayed in my life, but then no one could find him. No one knew if he was alive or anything. Wow. And he's one of 13 kids. Wow. Oh, so it's a big family. No one. He's living not too far either from where I grew up in Los Angeles. Wow. But now he's facing end of life and our family now is connecting more. Mm. Talk about things. Really? Wow. Yeah. And there's guilt involved of being thrown around, right? Well, you're the son, so you should be there. Mm. You should react this way, right? Like you should do these things. And like I said earlier, right? I grew up, I'm a childhood survivor of domestic violence. That's the culprit. And I think honestly, only of trying to reflect on what is healing me is what's making this possible. Because in talking to my cousin, all this other stuff, which is great, is she finally gave me permission, although I'd already given myself permission and my husband did as well. Because like you, my husband is, I don't know what I'd do without him. Mm -hmm. I do not know. Yeah. Do not know, but it was great to talk to my cousin because she finally gave permission and she was like, I don't even know why you're going. Like I wouldn't go. And my cousin lives driving distance mm -hmm. from my father in LA and I live in Chicago, which is kind of far. And she's like, this is a burden even for her to drive. Right. Because she's not talking to my dad either. And look at, you know, like he didn't just abandon yeah. Me, they had a little family and just relationships. Right. But it was interesting to hear my cousin and talk to her. And we had a conversation on healing from the inside. And Sarah, it's definitely motivated by having this podcast interview later today. Oh, really? Yeah, just hearing Wounded Healer and thinking of that. And also using a moment with family members to create a moment of healing for them. Because usually I don't want to answer the phone. I don't want to talk about this, right? I don't. But when I understand what I need out of this moment with my dad and what will be healing for me, it's actually very healing to have the conversation with someone else and to say where you're at and then someone to say, you know what? I completely get it. Yes. Without having to cry, without having to yell, without having to overexpress, right? I can just talk to you and you can hear me. That was healing only because I was confident in who I was. I didn't have to get my confidence from my cousin. I didn't have to get my confidence from my aunts. I didn't have to get my confidence from my dad. 
And that is to me a full circle of why I do this and share this message and why it's important. We're all dealing with these struggles and why it's important that we face these struggles and provide honesty for ourselves because it really does provide a road to healing and a time. It's not very easy. I do not want to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it because I know how I could be healed from this. But even if I didn't want to do it, that's healing for me too. It catches up with you one way or another. I'll tell you that. <laughs> right? Whether you face the conversation head on, or I'm sure there's people who've also been in with strange situations that don't have the conversation. Like it's funny how we can lie to ourselves. And I feel like we're continually put in positions to learn whatever lesson we're supposed to learn. And if we don't get it the first time around, the universe is like, guess what? Coming again. Here we go. <laughs> you know, because just in a year, I'm like, okay, another episode for this. And then, really? you know, then, yeah, that's exactly, you're right. That's exactly it of like, okay, strange conversation avoided. We saw each other perfectly fine. Now it's like, oh, every conversation you ever wanted to have, if you want to have it, you may want to have it now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also believe that once people have passed on, there's still a time for healing because my parents both died in 2014. And I knew that, I mean, my dad died suddenly, so there was no chance for a conversation, but my mom was dying and I knew that I wasn't going to get what I needed. And so I did what felt best at the time. I was there for her in a way that still didn't feel like it was overwhelming to me. And then when she died, you know, I have conversations with her. I've gone to mediums and, you know, I still haven't gotten what I wanted. Mediums tell me that in the afterlife, she's like, no, I'm not interested. Bye. I'm going to do something else. <laughs> I know, right? It's like. Are you kidding me? That's what you get? <laughs> yes. Yes. So she's still fucking in denial in the afterlife. <laughs> what I've learned with grief and all of that is it's not about getting, I mean, going back to relationships, but it's not about getting what you want from the other person who's hurt you, but being able to be okay within yourself. And that's what I'm hearing you say is really just trusting what it is that you need. And thank goodness your cousin was able to say, oh, I get it. Right. Yeah, and that's shocking from my family. <laughs> They're generally not like that. It's generally a family, like everything will be okay. Just move on, mm -hmm. ignore that, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to show up for family, whether you like it or not. Exactly. Right. I think what's interesting too is, so my mom passed in 2012. And really? I was there for that moment. And my mom raised me as an only child. Like she was a single mother. Mm. My dad was part of our lives, so I was 13, but he was there. That's about it. Just the two of you against the world. Just the two of us. Yeah. And we had closure. Yeah. It was beautiful. I've got to see my mother. Right. My mother was able to say, I love you. That was her last words was, I love you to me. Mm. I feel so fortunate and so lucky on the other end. For my father, as we're talking through this, actually, I'm mentally unwrapping it. But yeah, I've also said the good thing, the positive, right? Not many people get that. Yeah. Not many people get that, right? And yeah. although my dad 
did a lot of actions that someone would list and be like, why would you ever talk to this person? And I'd probably completely agree with them, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of being able to have closure, I feel fortunate. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at all this stuff, right, and and that's how I grab onto something for me, because I have to in this moment, or I don't know how I would react to this. Because you almost, you got to come in with a plan. And my plan is to shelter and keep my emotions, right? To, so that his emotions of what he has going on, I can be there for him. But it's not in turn impacting me negatively. Where I can be there for someone that has never really been there for me. When my mom passed, my dad was nowhere to be found. And it's now 2022. Yeah. And I just spoke to him in 2021. So my mom passed in 2012. So you can only imagine. Yeah. It's been that many years. Yeah. Literally 10 years later. Yeah. But I think now with him and looking at this is that it's so easy, like you said, to look at it and be like, they are who they are. He's not going to change. And I do think an afterlife especially would be the same. I'd be like, dad, do you want to talk about this? About what happened or whatever? Oh my gosh. No, wasn't you're such a great son. You'll have to come back after you go to a medium and let us know what he says. <laughs> I'm yeah, busy. Sorry. Uh, I'm fishing. Uh. But mediums were my mom. It's funny. My mom, like, I knew she'd never be a person that came back. She just that type of person she was very religious and dying for her was very calming. Mm -hmm. But so funny about medium with her. They're like, oh, your mom sends her love. She's busy. Yeah. She's educating kids right now. Mm -hmm. Like, isn't it past in the afterlife? And I was like, yeah, that sounds right. It sounds right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And no energy I have in the world could change that or like he is who he is as a person. And I could, of course, provide him my thoughts and my emotions to hope that he hears something that will help him heal as well. But the reality is I'm probably not going to get out of this the 30 something years that I did not get. Absolutely not. Yeah. And so I don't know how this is going to go because we're talking about now it's theory. <laughs> so I think that I've done the right thing, right. Sarah, preparing myself. But like we know with mental health, it is a challenge. Every day you wake up, it's a challenge. I don't know how I'm going to react. Mm -hmm. And I may react. I probably will. I'll probably sit there and cry. And because right now I'm like, oh, forget that. You know, I have everything planned, all this other stuff. But mm -hmm. I'm probably going to cry. My husband's probably going to have to comfort me when we're there. But I'll always know how to find me because I found me, mm -hmm. right? I know what that feels like. So now it's nice when you're having these things happen in your life or I'm having happen in my life. And I kind of know what my center is that I know I can get back. I know I can get back. I don't think I always felt that. Mm -hmm. Well, and you've got a great support system around you to be able to help care for you when because of course they're going to be feelings, right? Of course. Of course. Yeah. You want to be able to pretend not, right? It's how could you, this person, 30 something years, da, 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 whatever. And I just saw my father less than a year ago for the first time. There were no tears, but this is a very different scenario. And I have to give myself the permission to react how I need to react. Yeah, this is different. Hello, everyone. I'm interrupting this amazing conversation with an invitation and request. 
I can't believe it, but Conversations with a Wounded Healer is nearing our 200th episode. And if you've been with me for a while, you know this podcast has been an instrumental part of my own healing journey. And I'd really love to hear more about how it's been a part of yours. So for our 200th episode, I'd love to include your voice. Just go to speak-to.us slash convos with the wounded healer, and you can leave me up to a 60-second voicemail about how this podcast has impacted you. And for our 200th episode coming up in November, I'll include your message. If you don't want to share your voice in particular, but want to drop us a message anyway, you can email assistant at headhearttherapy.com, and I'll read your message as part of this special celebration. I can't wait to hear from you. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably and honestly. I mean, I think the work that you're doing, the platform that you've created, it's so much more meaningful when you know that somebody is trying to do the work themselves and it's not just, oh, this is a capitalistic venture here, right? Because, oh, everybody needs mental health help right now. So let me put this thing together. I really feel how this comes from your own experiences. It really does. And what really got me through always in my own experiences were the people around me and their stories. My mom grew up in foster homes. She was forced to steal at the age of 12 and she wanted to get caught. So she didn't have to live with her biological mother. She ended up being in foster homes and Mm. did drugs and ended up in youth authority at 17 years old and met a therapist that believed in her while in youth authority in the California youth authority. My mom would want me to say that if she's still alive, cause they changed her life. After that, she got her high school degree. She got her bachelor's her MBA and then her PhD. Wow. And people told her forever she was broken. She never, never let anyone feel that way. She would tell her stories and my mom had marks on her arms from drugs and she would show kids. And I guess we call them, and I, there's other words like troubled youth, I guess you would call them. But to me, they're just youth that need an adult and need someone to help mm-hmm. guide them and understand where they're at. And my mom would look at them and say, I've been told I'm broken. My mom was having me steal. Yeah. I did drugs, but I have made it through. And when my mom passed, I did say, I said to her as I cried unbelievably and I still to this day remember the promise I made when my mom passed. And this is very dramatic, but it definitely happened when my mom passed her last breath. I said to her, I am your legacy. I will provide healing. I am your legacy. And I never knew when I'd get this opportunity, but I'd be at work in corporate America after that, right? And being her legacy meant listening, healing. I'm in corporate America. There's not a lot of that going on. Right. So I led with that and I was known for that. And that was because of her. And so I'm looking at, there's so many different things of reasons why I guess we build things, right? Or why you become an entrepreneur to be specifically but my mom's legacy, it's really been a lot of that of like stories because my mom's stories, I would just see kids just open up and transform their lives. Yeah, I bet. And 
that's why I was like, you know what? The stories we have are health and wellness experts and people don't hear from diverse experts. And I'm her legacy. So how do I do this, Rico? Come on. What do you got? What do you got? And I am so proud that her legacy is growing. It is growing and it will continue to grow. And the only thing capitalistic about it is that I hope that millions and billions of people get to heal yeah. from stories, from a second, from an hour, from a three hours, whoever knows, right, of how long that engagement needs to be. It's so beautiful that it's coming from diverse experts. It's just, yeah, it's meaningful for sure. That's so cool. Well, this is a good time for the question. Would you consider yourself a healer? Yes. Like <laughs> short answer? Yeah. Long pause, long pause, long pause. Yeah. Yes. I would say that in my intent, especially of getting off that conversation of legacy, has always been yeah. to heal in spaces. Right. I've mainly been the only brown or gay person as an executive at companies. Yeah. And it hurts being ignored. It hurts looking around at the other employees that look like you or love like you and they're being ignored. But yet people are telling them, you're not being ignored. No, you're not. We're not being ignored. Right, right. The gaslighting. Why doesn't anybody represent me? I don't know. In the executive level. Oh, you're not being ignored. Mm -hmm. And then when you're there at the executive level and you're the only person, diversity suddenly is only your problem. Exactly. What? We hired people. What? The junior staff. <laughs> Have you seen the, um, there's a brand new documentary on Netflix. It's called White Hot and it's about Abercrombie and Fitch. Yes. Heard about it for sure. Watch it immediately. Just let's end now and go watch it because it's, I mean, it's everything that you're talking about. It's exactly what you're talking about. And I was big into Abercrombie back in the day. I had my Abercrombie hat, all the different things, right? And it's just that's the thing of like healing from you. Because from that, at least from what I know, because my husband and I actually were just talking about this to our in-laws this past weekend and how they're trying to do a rebrand and change. Is that what this? Mm -hmm. It's about all the, basically the blatantly racist hiring practices. And yes, now they're trying to change. They didn't really talk about what's happening now. It was mostly about all the shit that happened. But think about when you were, right when you were walking in there, and I remember that of walking to buy my Abercrombie and the white guy was the beautiful guy. There were not many people of color. If there were, they were always accompanied with a white guy and they would try for the models that stood outside the store. Mm -hmm. And no one ever realized what that felt like. What that felt like, you're not pretty. I never wore Abercrombie and Fitch because I knew I wasn't skinny enough. I knew I wasn't pretty enough. I knew I knew it was not for me, even though I'm a white person. But I had long blonde hair at the time. I looked like, you know, generally what they would have wanted. But I knew it wasn't for me. <laughs> oh, I didn't look like the skin color part. Right. And that's the most part I think of my life is I've always forced to fit into spaces like that. Right. Right. Many of people color do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That had nothing for me. Yeah. That had nothing for me. Mm -hmm. Spending my money, right? right? Doing all these things. They're not there for me. You're not there to celebrate me. But yet I'm spending my money trying to celebrate you. White supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I mean that that couldn't be more like white supremacy and capitalism, like kissing and making out, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've never explained it that way. We should write a full-on musical. Lin Manuel Miranda, I'm coming for you, bitch. Oh my. <laughs> you know it has to have a good tune Uh, 100 yes and our chief marketing officer is he's 12 years broadway marketing so i'm pretty sure i can sing right we've got it okay we'll work we'll we'll work on that next i used to sing in college i can bring that back we can bring that back okay you and i are the leads done yes yes White Supremacy, the musical. Here we come. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The wheels are turning. OMG. (sighs) Back to the healer talk, though. I'm curious. (laughs) I'm curious about your thoughts of the term wounded healer. Yeah. So I thought about this a lot, actually, this morning while I was working out of wounded healer, right? What is the significance of that to me? What I think is significant for wounded healer, I'm included in that as well, is when you call yourself a healer, people don't expect you to be wounded. Mm -hmm. If I go to my therapist, I don't expect my therapist to be human. Oh, she wounded. I'll tell you. (laughs) I know that bitch. She wounded. (laughs) She wounded. You wounded, girl. (laughs) You're in danger, girl. She's going to punch me. Yes, you're in danger, girl. You're a danger, girl. Oh, my God. She would love that. She will. But that's the beauty of even admitting owning a mental health platform of the struggles of even talking about my dad. People always usually say, like, thanks for your candor. But the reality is, thank you for being a healer. Because a wounded healer, is that's real. That's real that we all wake up and we have something different for a struggle that I can look at. Like I am half more, I think 56% something Irish. So very white, Mm -hmm. but I got Spanish and right. I'm Spanish and also African-American, but all my family members from my white to my black ones, I would say all struggle. They all have things that have not been heard. And to find healing, it's very different for each audience, I feel. Absolutely. Like for my Latin culture, which I more identify closely with, a lot of it is, at least from what I had always been taught, is healing comes by helping people or people will eventually heal you. It will eventually happen. You have to have hope. And faith, right? Yeah, hope and faith. Just don't have an accent and you'll be great. Mm. That's at least what I was taught. Not everyone is taught that, of course, but that's a desperate need of healing. Mm-hmm. And I look at my black side of the family where we're told mental health is not a real thing. Doesn't exist. Right. And you're crazy for even talking about it. That needs healing. And so you look at all of this. It's so great that all of us have a unique need for our mental health, but we all have a need. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us too a little more about 
who is this platform for? Like, because you never know who could be listening if somebody wants to like bring it into their company. Like, what does it look like? And who are you appealing to? How do people get involved? All that stuff. Great. So our primary customer is large corporations and health insurance plans. And really for them, it's for our network of over 50 diverse health and wellness experts. Our products and services include a mental health platform with over 2,000 minutes of mental health education videos. So employees and members of these organizations can get healing right away. Then we have immersive workshops where we go into a corporation and we host our mental health workshop that we customize and develop based on the needs of their audiences. Awesome. And then our third thing is we do custom mental wellness campaigns for organizations. Hmm. But one of our commitments is mental health for all. So because of that, right, we went to corporations really because of where we're at just economically and the pandemic is people, it's a lot to think about paying for their mental health or paying something extra, even though they need it. And so that's why we went to employers because we can get a wider birth of just our audience to heal. But also we do have where individuals can either sign up for free for a month or they can sign up for a subscription for the year or pay by month. So that individuals can get access to that platform I mentioned so that they can start learning, mm. right? And, and it's people sharing their real life and professional experiences that are experts. And that is just awesome to have something that's able to do that. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're focusing on diverse experts because I'm sure there's something out there kind of sort of that exists, but just a bunch of white people telling you what to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of it is of what you'll hear a lot of companies talk about is, well, we do things with cultural confidence. I roll. I don't know about you, right? Well, but I've sat and I'm trying to heal. Cultural competency usually doesn't sound like me. I don't see myself, but I see myself when I see myself or I see someone that is an expert and they're African-American, right? And they're sharing not only being African-American, being a black woman in the U.S., right? That part of it. How does that play into anxiety? How does that play into depression? Yep. It allows us all not only to heal, but to hear for those of us that are not that audience so that we can do better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm curious too, what's the feedback that you've gotten when you go into organizations or hear from people? Have you gotten any testimonials from folks that have really benefited from the platform? Yeah, so we did actually user testing like a year ago for the platform itself. Mm -hmm. And we really didn't have money to spend on advertising. Mm -hmm. But between my founders and I, we have over 43 years of marketing experience. So we knew we could create something. And so we created the platform and then started driving traffic on our LinkedIn channels and Facebook channels. And they've started getting a couple of subscribers here or there, not a lot, but then we started user testing to figure out, okay, the people that are subscribers, why are they subscribers? What do they need? How can we evolve this product? And we met Kevin and Kevin had saw our videos on LinkedIn. He had saw our videos on LinkedIn 
after he had left the hospital from attempting suicide for the second time. Wow. He was in grad school and he knew that he needed help. But from his previous experience at 14 years old and being in India at the time, because he was here in the U.S. for school for an MBA that his parents were paying for. And at 14, he attempted suicide and his parents told him, don't tell anybody. Mental health isn't real. You'll never get married. You will never be matched. Mm. Right. You'll be never be matched for a spouse. And so then he came to the U.S. and the U.S. is a lot more open about hearing about mental health from his experience. But still, it, he didn't know what to do because culturally he was told not to still do this. So he contacts his school to ask for help and says, I am being suicidal, calls to the clinic on campus. And it's a big school, mm-hmm. calls to the clinic on campus. And he says, you know what? I can't pay for this because if I do, my parents are going to know. Right. And they said, well, I'll do this paperwork. It'll take like a month, da, 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 whatever. And then you can get for free. He attempted suicide. I don't have a month. He attempted suicide, ended up in the hospital because he called someone and said, I took all these pills, a stranger that he had just come out to that was also gay, that didn't really know him, helped him. And it was in that hospital. He learned a lot. And then he had just come across these videos and he saw one of our experts who was talking on about what is depression, how it shows up on the outside, how it shows up on the inside, what you can do to heal and exercises. And she also is from Indian background. Mm-hmm. He saw himself. Yeah. The next person he saw talks about PTSD, which was one of our experts who's also gay and Cuban. Mm-hmm. And he saw a brown gay man like him also talking about something of mental health that resonated with him. And I swear to you, Kevin knows more about mental health than I do. He is always like, he's talking to me like, you should do something on, you know, when is it time to move on from your therapist? When is it time where you have, those are kind of advanced topics to be talking about someone that wasn't even able to get healing. Mm-hmm. And that just shows you the beauty of this journey. I'm not saying he's a mental health expert now, but what I'm saying is that he's someone that learned that I can learn this information despite what I've been told. Mm. And that's one of the success stories that we have that at that time resonated that I was doing my purpose. Mm. That's when I decided to lean all in. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to do this and my mom and legacy But having that proof point of Kevin and other interviews that we've had along the way, it's amazing of what the power of this healing can provide. It's so awesome. It's so awesome what you do, right? Like, it's just awesome to have this out there now where these kind of conversations were always being held, but the audience that would hear them would not be as large as they are now. Right. Yeah. So it's so great. It is so great. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Awesome. How can people find out more about the company, get in contact with you if they want? How can they help you? Tell us all the things. All the things, all the things. I think the most important thing, right, is you can find healing today. Go on mh3.co and you can sign up for a free friends and family membership for a month. 
That's what I would say the most important thing. Find out what you want about us, experience it. And if you want to reach out to me personally, you can email me at rico at mh3.co. I promise you when I say that, you can email me. <laughs> Don't email me. <laughs> Just email Rico. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And there is a thing, if someone does want to have anonymity to ask a question of topics we should be covering, right, they can on our website as well when they get there. But I think that's the most important part is the website and finding themselves there and that there's a way they can join for free and there's no credit card required. So you can start learning today, which is a nice benefit. Well, thank you so much for being here and for everything that you're doing. When I learned about it, I was like, this is so exciting. I really wanted to have you on and have more people learn about it. And if there's any other way I can help you personally, please let me know. Same. If I, however, I can get the word out there. Yeah. I really appreciate you and your time. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'll get back to you on writing White Supremacy, the musical. Okay, perfect. I'll, I'll Yes. I'll make sure to get the crew ready for you. One Thanks. of our experts does play like the cello or something. Great. Great. We've got a part for them. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to rico for being our guest today to learn more about rico and his work you can visit us at www.headhearttherapy.com podcast as always thanks to andrea clunder and the creative imposter studios for editing to liam o'donnell for our album art and to ben mueller for our theme music until next time bye-bye